3: Listen to the radio,
1: it's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler.
3: This tape will self-destruct in five seconds.
4: Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including movie reviews, celebrity interviews, classic radio shows, trivia contests, and showbiz news. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present a classic radio adventure of I Was a Communist for the FBI, starring Dana Andrews. But first, national movie critic Sarah Adamson is here to talk about two movies that recently released, Grandma and the Man Who Saved the World. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm doing great, Carl. How are you? Great. Let's talk about Grandma. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. You're disturbing the customers.
2: I mean,
1: what other customers are we disturbing? Oh, them. Ozzie and Harriet. And all coffee drips. You don't have to say drip coffee. That is a redundancy. Oh,
4: look, it oh, drips. Oh my God, it drips. So what's this film all about? Traded
2: R. It's a comedy by Sony Classic Pictures. Lily Tomlin, Ellie Reed, has just gotten through breaking up with her girlfriend, Olivia, played by Judy Greer. Her granddaughter, Sage Julia Garner, shows up unexpectedly at her door and needs $600 before sundown.
4: Right. <laughs> And she needs this money because she's
2: pregnant. Ooh, uh oh, yep.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Um. And so they, and also Marsha Gay Harden, a good pal of mine, she's been in a lot of my productions. She, uh, she appears in this movie as, uh, as the mom. Yes. She's Lily Tomlin's (laughs) daughter, and she's Julia Garner's mom.
2: Oh yes, she's great in this. She's very funny. Um. But yeah, this is based again on an original script by Paul Weitz. He's also the director. So, yeah, what happens is they sort of end up going on a road trip because Grandma L is temporarily broke.
4: Yeah, she's broke. (laughs) She's trying to find some dough. Yes. All right, another clip from Grandma. What is your involvement?
1: I am her grandmother, and I'm your mother. Yes, but what are you doing here?
4: I'm going to be there because this is my granddaughter. She's already pregnant. Grandma! What did you think of this film?
2: I am way in on this film. Three and a half stars. Honestly, Lily Tallman has found the perfect role, honestly. You know, she's been in this business so long. Her comedic experience, her acting chops, everything. She shows it all here. She's funny. She's spirited. She's compassionate. And she's very serious at times. I enjoyed watching her. Honestly, outstanding
4: performance, Carl. Right. Remember her beginnings on Laugh-In? She was something on that, and she's been around all these years, and she's been in films, and and, uh, she's doing TV now, and this film, too, so it's really great to see. I mean, everybody loves Lily Tomlin.
2: Sure. I want to mention Sam Elliott, too. He's also co-stars in in the film.
4: He's great. He's always great.
2: And I want. Folks, to you know, you know, yes, it's comedy, but it's not all laughs. There's some, there's a real serious side to this, and the theme of regrets.
4: Right, three and a half stars for Grandma. Let's talk now about the man who saved the world.
2: We live in a world
1: in which the great powers have poised and aimed at each other nuclear weapons that can, in a matter of minutes, arrive in each other's country and destroy virtually
4: the civilized world we live in. What's this film all about?
2: This is a Danish-made film. At times, it is half documentary, but then it's half reconstruction during the documentary, which is kind of cool. And it tells this extraordinary story that I had no idea happened. Stencilov Petrov, he was once a colonel in the Soviet Army who averted World War III.
4: Right, right. People don't know this. We would not be here if it were not for this guy. And it's interesting to see all these movie stars and people like uh, Robert De Niro and and Matt Damon and people that uh, met with this guy and to hear his story. I mean, he doesn't speak English, so there's always an interpreter. Yes. But um, it's quite a story that needs to be told.
2: It really is. And as commanding officer at a nuclear weapons station, it was his decision whether or not to launch a reactive strike when Russian computers mistakenly detected america's missiles right
4: and it's really scary because at the yes. end of this film they tell you that there are still thousands of nuclear warheads poised on a hair trigger from russia to us and from us to them yes so it's-, it's it's really a stark film and uh an interesting documentary another clip from the man who saved the world it's up to him to tell his leadership to launch a counterattack, which probably would wipe out half of our population Made you, this man
1: who saved the world. I'm not the hero. I was just in the right
4: place at the right time. So, what did you think of this film?
2: You know, I'm in three stars. This is for all the history buffs out there, and for anybody that really wants to see a good film. Uh, it's a Cold War thriller that will send shivers down your spine, mm. honestly. And then yeah. they do a really good job of recreating. What happened that night? And this
4: was all during the time of, the, of Reagan as president.
2: Yes, yes. And, you know, what we find out is Petrov, he has a few wishes when they say, all right, we're going to have you come to America. He said, I want to meet Kevin Costner.
4: <laughs> and he does not uh, consider himself a hero. He no. says, I was just the man uh, in the right place at the right time.
2: Exactly. Right. Yes, he's very and humble. the world. He's very humble about it. Yeah. And you do see him speaking to the United Nations, meeting Kevin Costner, Walter Conkright, which who I thought that was great when he met him, and yeah. uh, people that were really thanking him.
4: Yeah. All right, uh, so three stars for The Man Who Saved the World and three and a half stars for Grandma. You heard it here on Hollywood 360, but check out all of Sarah Adamson's reviews because she has many more than just the ones she does here at her website, which is sarahsbackstagepass.com. Sarah, great having you on the show. Thanks, Carl. It's always my pleasure. All right, when we come back, it's I was a communist for the FBI. I really wasn't, though, Lisa. You weren't? No. Okay. Uh, that's coming your way, starring Dana Andrews after these words. Are you a fan of classic radio shows like Abbott and Costello? What's
1: the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, the- Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States
4: Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly.
5: What day is this?
4: Oh, now, let me see. com and receive your 10 free classic radio shows today that's hollywood360radio.com
0: now back to the best in classic radio on hollywood 360 brought to you by reader's digest
4: Based on the book by real-life undercover agent Matt Savetic I was a communist for the FBI, was a dramatization of Svetik's life during the time he infiltrated the Communist Party of the United States of America, the CPUSA, and reported back to the FBI on their activities. In real life, Svetik lost nearly everything he loved, his wife, children, parents, friends, but the one thing he didn't lose was his love of country, And that love for America is what kept him going. In the radio series Heard in 1952 and 1953, Dana Andrews starred as Soviet, and he paints a picture of a man constantly struggling to walk a fine line between discovery of the communists and doing his job to gather information and set roadblocks to their activity in the United States. All right, Lisa, it's time now for a good drama. On I Was a Communist for the FBI, June 11th, 1952. This is called The American Kremlin. It stars uh, the uh, movie star Dana Andrews. Truman Bradley does the announcing on this. You ready? I'm ready. Here's I Was a Communist for the FBI.
0: I was a Communist for the FBI.
3: Dana Andrews in an exciting tale of danger and espionage. I was a communist for the FBI. From the actual records and authentic experiences of Matt Savedic, come many of the incidents in this unusual story. Here is our star, Dana Andrews, as Matt Savedic, who for nine fantastic years lived as a communist for the FBI. In all these
0: fantastic years, fear was my worst enemy. The average man in the normal course of events comes face to face with fear only a few times in his life. But I faced the terror of fear almost constantly for nine years as a communist for
3: the FBI. Now, here is Dana Andrews as Matt Sivetic, undercover man. This story from the confidential file is marked The American
1: Kremlin.
0: An early spring afternoon in a large Midwestern city, the sun has found its way through the haze that shrouds the downtown business section and is drying the remnants of a morning shower. I decide to walk from my rooming house to the meeting at party headquarters, an unobtrusive address on an undistinguished side street. Have yeah, mister? No, thanks, cabby. I'll walk. I think you'd better ride, mister. Four seven. seven. is a lucky number. You're clear. No one following. Why the emergency contact? Two top agents, the MVT, have been smuggled into the country. Their
1: job: to close any loopholes in party machinery. Who are they? We know who they are, what they look like. But so far, they've been efficient. Too efficient. Two of our New York contacts have disappeared. There's a chance, these agents are here right now. You see them? We want them. Now, don't waste any time calling your contact. Anything to report? No. Okay, you can let me out.
0: Two top agents of the MVD here to check on their own party members. They're never sure of themselves or the people who work for them and with them. For how can you really trust a man who's a traitor to his own country? It's still rather early for my meeting, but there before me is the party headquarters. Outwardly, it resembles some of the other faded and forlorn buildings on the street. But there, the resemblance ends. For this building is the nerve center of the entire communist network in this section of the country. This is the American Kremlin. <laughs> Comrade Barstow? Comrade Barstow? The door to Barstow's office is open. I walk in. Barstow? Not here. Beyond this office, the printing presses. I start to call Barstow's name. But the words choke at my throat. There, above me dangling like a limp cord of an overhead light, hanging and swaying from a pipe which runs across the ceiling. The body of Comrade Barstaff. I look around for the box or platform which he used to raise himself off the ground. But there is none. The floor beneath his swaying feet is clear. This isn't suicide. This is Murder. Yes. I stagger wildly out of the building, gasping for air. Sure, I'm scared. I didn't recognize that voice on the other end of the phone. Let's hope I wasn't recognized either. Why did I answer it? Call it an automatic reaction. A phone rings, you answer it. Just like you see a body swinging from a pipe and you know it's murder. Except in this case, there's a frame attached to it. And I could be the picture inside. I can't understand why the building is empty. The presses should be rolling a symphony of inky lies and some of my beloved comrades should be at the door. Of course. This is Sunday. And even a communist sometimes takes advantage of a decadent bourgeois custom. Like not working. I walk around the block and then I spot Comrade Cover. local party leader entering the building I just left the American Kremlin I wait about two minutes and then I walk back in who is there well it's me comrade Svedik
5: quickly lock the door and come back here
0: I had seen only Comrade Kova enter the building yet. Comrade Svetik, this is Colonel Polanski who is here from Moscow. It is my privilege.
1: Open the door to the press room, Comrade Kova, so that Comrade Svetik may also see. Barstov, who
3: did?
0: Either my eyes are playing tricks on me, or else I didn't get a good look the first time. For there, under the swaying feet of Comrade Barstov, is a box. Yes, Comrade Sverdek. Bastov realized that any weakness in our party structure is dangerous
1: to the entire cause. You may close the door, Comrade Kova.
5: Comrade Sverdek, Colonel Polanski has asked me to recommend a man to take Bartov's place. I have recommended you. I'm here to serve. When the revolution comes, our strength will lie in the instrument
1: of the workers, the trade unions. Your first assignment, Comrade Sverdek, is the Shipbuilders Union in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. There's a train which leaves in exactly 40 minutes. You will be on it. Your contact is the waitress in the King Street Diner. Her name, Millicent Johnson. Comrade Cover here will give you specific instructions. Ah, uh, about uh, Barstov. You have
4: seen nothing.
5: You know nothing. Wait for me, Comrade Svetik. I will accompany you to the station. Oh, don't bother, Comrade Cover. No bother, Comrade Svetik. Who knows when I may see you next.
0: He helps me pack. He helps me find a cab. He's too much of a help. He's right with me as we enter the railroad station. I buy a ticket. Look at the clock. There's less than ten minutes to train time. Ten minutes in which I should get to a phone and tell the FBI that one of the two MVD agents is right here. But how to do it without arousing suspicion on the part of Comrade Cover, who is being most solicitous and most comradely? Comrade Cover, will you watch my bag while I wash my hands? Sure, go ahead. Hello? Three
5: and four are seven. Comrade Zvetic, whom are you calling?
0: All right, I was just checking the time with Meridian. The last thing I see as the train picks up momentum and speeds out of the station is Comrade Cover standing on the platform and smiling goodbye. I've been cornered, boxed, and shipped Eight hours before the train arrives in New York Eight hours before I can get to a phone Contact the FBI and tell them the MVD agents have arrived Eight hours in which Colonel Polanski and the hatchet woman on the phone Could be in Dallas, Chicago, Los Angeles You pick the spot station a canyon of noise and activity i disregard the porter with the outstretched hand waiting to take my bag and head for a telephone booth i call home to my fbi contact and reverse the charges hello
3: what are you doing in new york
0: i'm on my way to the brooklyn navy yard replacing a local comrade who was killed details august barstaff party courier murder made to look like suicide The body was still hanging in the press room when I left eight hours ago. Be careful how you check it. I don't think anybody knows except myself, Comrade Culver, and one of the two MVD agents you're looking for. Name? Colonel Polanski. I think his partner is a woman. What's my Brooklyn contact number? Your Brooklyn contact number
5: is...
4: All right, let's take a break from I Was a Communist... For the FBI, June 11, 1952, The American Kremlin, starring Dana Andrews. And uh, it never ceases to amaze me, the sound quality of the classic radio shows that we air here on Hollywood 360. Now, we have, of course, a a good head start because we license these shows, so we get the original master transcription discs from the rights holders. But Mike Costello, our executive producer, is a magician when it comes because, When it comes to the sound quality, because these shows, even though they are from the original master transcriptions, they could still have some clicks and pops and things in it. Mike removes all that, makes these shows sound great. And uh, we have tons and tons of classic radio in this sound quality that you're hearing at our store, which is uh, hollywood360radio.com. That's our website, hollywood360radio.com. And just check out the store and look at all of the classic radio shows we have there. And also, uh, we have audio Bible projects there, um, celebrity-voiced audio Bibles there. We have classic TV on DVD and other great stuff. So please do check out our website, hollywood360radio.com. And uh, we really appreciate your support of this show. By uh, When you purchase products, it helps support the, uh, the program you're listening to. So thank you so much. All right, it is time now to play another uh, sound clip. From a Batman TV series from the 1960s, uh, the man of the hour, Adam West. It's his birthday. Happy birthday, Adam. Here is another villain. See if you can name this villain.
5: I want to give you my solemn word that there will be no mud slinging in this campaign. Unless, of course, my opponent slings it. But I intend to
4: stick to the issues. All right. That's for the debates there. You know, I did that because of the debates. All right. Give us a call. Toll free 855 855- 360-H-360, 360 360, if you can identify this villain.
5: I want to give you my solemn word that there will be no mud swinging in this campaign. Unless, of course, my opponent slings it. But I intend to stick to the issues.
4: All right, give us a call. Toll free 855-360-H-360. We'll be right back.
3: And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Brought
1: to you by Reader's Digest.
4: Welcome back to the show, and happy birthday, Adam West. Uh, he was born uh, September was born. 19th. Well, of course he, he was, was born. born. He wasn't hatched. He was born, born September 19th, 1928. Happy birthday of the man himself, Adam West. And here is another villain that he worked with multiple times on the Batman TV series.
5: I want to give you my solemn word that there will be no mudslinging in this campaign. And of course, my opponent slings it. But I intend to stick
4: to the issues. Sounds like some of the GOP uh, candidates there, Lisa, on the recent debates. Well, Did you watch the debates? I I recorded the debates. That doesn't mean you watched it. I <laughs> uh, just bits and pieces. They're, what? Yeah. Oh, I watched. I was I, right there, man. Yeah, well, I watched every second know, of that three-hour debate. We don't We see eye to eye on no, that No, I know stuff, we don't. So um, we won't uh, talk about that. I think our listeners know uh, the way I feel about it. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I think we're pretty. I am. Uh, about I am it. a conservative. Uh, okay. Let's just leave it at that. All right. And I enjoyed the debates, three Good. hours worth. That's a lot. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's talk with Dave out there in Lake Station, Indiana. Hiya, Dave. How are you doing? How's it going there, Carl? I'm doing well. How are you, Dave? Pretty good. Hey, Lisa, you sound pretty sexy. What do you learn? <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, it's just Be in the voice. All in, all Be in careful now. Be careful, Dave. You, wearing a either, you? <laughs> Be careful, Dave. Family show here, buddy. All right, what is the name? I know. What's the name of the villain, my friend? I ain't, I
2: ain't,
4: it's a penguin. You got it. You're a big winner. And uh, you remember who played the penguin? Burgess Meredith. You got it. You know your stuff, Dave. Way to go, buddy. You're a winner. My Krabby uh, brother's going to send you some fun prizes. Thanks for calling in. All right, thanks a lot. All right, buddy. You got it. Uh, Dave knew it, Lisa. He sure did. He knew it. <laughs> 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 as he said, with, with a little fun, too. Burgess Meredith played the penguin in the television series Batman from 1966 to 1968. His role as the penguin was so well received, the show's writers. Always had a script featuring the Penguin ready whenever Meredith was available to play it. Sounds That's like a nice. good That's nice. It's right? like what they do with you, you know, when you're available. Whenever I'm around, you know. You know, Scorsese and, and Spielberg, they always have a script ready for you. I know. You. The thing is, I'm here, so this comes yeah, first I know. for me. I know. You have to do this show, mm-hmm. and then when you take a hiatus... You can do a movie here and there. I'll work on that. Uh, with Johnny Depp or um, Brad <laughs> yeah, Pitt or somebody, could, you, know, you know. whoever. Uh, I like playing um, uh, movies with his brother, Arm. Arm Pitts. Yeah, he's yeah. a lot. I like him a lot more. Now, I'm going to go with Brad on that one. All right. Let's get back to I Was a Communist for the FBI.
5: Well, let me, mister.
0: Hello, Millicent.
5: Hello, yourself.
0: Brooklyn isn't near Pittsburgh.
5: Pittsburgh isn't near Brooklyn. We've been expecting you. The meeting starts in 30 minutes. I finish here in 10. I'll get you a cup of coffee while you're waiting for me.
0: What about a place to sleep?
5: We have a room for you.
1: Hey, Millie, I'll buy some silence.
0: Brooklyn headquarters is an innocuous three-story brownstone a couple of blocks from the waterfront. A converted rooming house which boards all the local agents. I'll be under constant surveillance here. Is this by design or accident?
5: Ah, Comrade Millicent. Come in. And this is... Comrade Svedik from out of town. How do you do? How do you do? Where is uh, Comrade Aachen? She's due here any minute. She, Comrade Smith? Yes, Comrade Hedwig Aachen. One of our most brilliant party members. Direct from the Stalin Institute.
0: Are you discussing me? Ah,
5: Comrade Arkin, this is Comrade Svetic. Where is Barstow. I'm taking his place. Comrade Smith, how did he get here? Comrade Millicent brought him. How do we know he's not an FBI spy? He identified himself correctly. So, but how do we know?
0: Well, this is childish. You can check me whenever you please. I'm here to carry out
5: a mission. Which is? The Shipbuilders Union. I'm satisfied. Comrade Millicent, you have contacted one of the Union men? Yes, Hans Martin. He's been a party member for two years, and he's anxious to do what he can. Comrade Spedek, this is an important union. They're at work on some vital naval projects. So far, we have only been able to win over Martin. But one man in there is not enough. He will help you join the union. When do I meet Comrade Martin? He comes into the diner every day before his shift, around quarter after three. You be at the diner tomorrow, and I'll introduce you. (laughs)
0: Items on the agenda, so I just sit back and listen. I listen and look and catalogue their faces. What is the connection between Hedwig Aachen and Comrade
5: Barstoff? Was she the voice on the phone? There being no further business to discuss, the meeting is adjourned.
0: Comrade Svetik, may I speak with you alone? What about? Alone. Come into the hall. What's on your mind?
5: Why did you kill Barstov?
0: What did you say?
1: Why did you kill Barstov?
0: This was it. Fear again. Fear projected by the cold, deadly, accusing voice of Comrade Hedwig Aachen. Why did you kill Barstov? I had to stall for time. The best defense is an aggressive offense. I grabbed her arm and replied, What did you say? Why oh, did
1: you kill Barstov? Let go of my arm. You're hurting me. Come on. Let go. Let go.
5: What is the meaning of this?
0: Come on, Comrade Arkin. Repeat what you just asked me. You fool. I said repeat what you asked me. I will hear it from you, Comrade Smetik. She asked me why I killed Bostov.
5: Comrade Akin. You place yourself in a very bad position with such a question. How many times have you seen Comrade Bashkov, and under what circumstances? Was there a romantic attachment Comrade between Smith, you? Comrade Smith, you exceed yourself. Comrade Smith,
0: perhaps Comrade Aachen's suspicions might be alleviated by a long-distance phone call. And you might ask Comrade Kover why Colonel Polanski recommended me. Colonel I mean, Polanski? Comrade Smith, I Wish to withdraw my charge against Comrade Svante. Good night. The next morning, I use an empty cigarette pack as an excuse to get out of the house and call my Brooklyn contact. Hello. Three and four or seven.
3: Seven is a lucky number. Have you made contact?
0: I'm living at local headquarters. Nothing to report as yet. Did you hear from out west?
3: Party headquarters had a visit from the local building inspector, but everything was in order. Did they find Barstow's body? No.
0: Was Barstow an FBI contact? No. Okay, if he were, you wouldn't tell me. Any other contact
3: besides you? The shoeshine man outside the King Street subway station. Tell him you prefer a red polish. A deep red polish. <laughs>
0: Three o'clock, and I'm sitting at a table in the corner of the diner. And over in the opposite corner, a fat, paunchy individual blows the steam off a spoonful of soup. It's during my second cup of coffee that Hans Martin comes over to the
3: table. Sit down. You're Millie's friend. And your friend, Hans Martin. First, we gotta get you into the union. There's a meeting of our shift tonight at 11.30. The business agent for the union will be there. You meet me at 11.30 and I'll introduce you as my cousin. Where is the meeting? In the warehouse off Pier 9. Don't worry, nobody will stop you. Just walk past Pier 10 and across the cutover, which you can't miss. Meet me at the entrance to the warehouse.
0: I walk out of the diner with Hans Martin. Walk him partway back to the pier. As we pass the King Street subway station, I say goodbye to him. Shine, mister? I start to say yes, but as I look up, I see Colonel Polanski coming out of the subway. He looks straight at me, through me, and around me, and walks on. Shine, mister? Well, yeah. I, I prefer a red polish, a deep red polish. Huh. Oh, well, 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 my cab driver from home, I'll come. I had a feeling out there that you might be heading into something. I can't get over the feeling I'm being watched. I sit back in the shine chair and let my eyes wander. Sure enough, across the street is a fat man who had been blowing steam from his soup spoon in the diner. Anything to report, Colonel Polanski? What about him? Can't talk, being watched.
1: Uh, there is, you are, sir. Got the shoe, please.
0: As I walk away from the shoe shine stand, I notice that the fat man has disappeared from the doorway. Rather than walk the four blocks back to the party headquarters, I take the trolley. Was the fat man really watching me? Did I do anything to give myself away? Oh, nuts. I'm falling for the old commie trick that the guilty man will always worry, the innocent man will only be confused. As I start up the stairs to the three story brownstone, I turn around and freeze. Across the street is the fat man. I shut the door behind me and run up the stairs into the meeting room.
1: Ah, Comrade Svetik.
0: Colonel Polanski. What is it, Comrade Svetik? You look perturbed. I think I've been followed. He's right across the street. Who? The man who's been following me. Look. Polanski and Smith cautiously move across the room and through a parting, and the drapes get a good look at the fat man standing on the other side of the street. <laughs> Comrade Smith, will you leave us alone? Yes, Colonel. (laughs) Well, this is no laughing matter. (laughs) Easy, Comrade Sverick, easy. I watch as Colonel Polanski lowers and raises the window shade twice. And then see the fat man across the street, come up the steps, and into the brownstone house. A minute later, the door to the room opens again, and he waddles into the room and smiles at me with the lower part of his face. His eyes can never smile. Comrade Sverick, this is Comrade Sverick.
1: Commissar, I'm honored. So, it is you who have taken Comrade Bostov's place.
0: This is the other member of the two man team from the MVD. This is the voice on the telephone.
1: I watched you handle your contact in the diner, and I'm very pleased to know that we have such workers in the party. Good. Comrade Zverek, what have you arranged?
0: I'm to meet Hans Martin on the pier tonight at 11.30. He's introducing me as his cousin to the business agent of the Union. I should have no trouble. Uh,
1: My dear comrade, but the test of a good agent is to always be prepared for trouble. Uh, Colonel Polanski will accompany you. Uh, In the meantime, I suggest you get some sleep. Uh, You look tired.
0: At exactly 11, Colonel Polanski knocks on the door of my room and takes me down to the car he has rented, especially for the occasion. He opens the back door for me, and there is Commissar Turin.
1: Well, come in quickly, Comrade Svetik. The night air is a bit cold. Comrade Svetik, you wonder why a commissar and a colonel should accompany you on such a routine matter. My duty is not to wonder, just to obey. Very convincing, comrade Svetik. You should not have run out of the building where you found Bastov's body after you spoke to me on the phone. Oh, yes, do not look startled. It was you. And you should not have entered the building a second time and acted as if it were the first time you had seen the body of comrade Bastov. And finally, you should not have called the FBI. This is some sort of joke. I don't get it. Oh, come now, comrade Spetic, Spy, traitor, fascist tool of the FBI. Let us put an end to pretenses. If, if as you say, I am an agent for the FBI, how do you
0: accompany me to my meeting with Hans Martin? Why don't you just kill me now?
1: You have an appointment with him. If you do not appear, he will ask questions. Commissar, we are approaching Pier 10. Turn your lights off. Why was Comrade Barstaff killed? Let us say he served the cause. Served the cause? Yes. To trap any traitors in our ranks. And we did trap you, didn't we? I shall put it all in my report tomorrow. Moscow will be pleased. Bear in mind that Colonel Polanski and I are both armed. Now we shall get out and keep our date with Hans Martin.
0: The shrill whistle of the tugs, a basso-boom of the larger vessels are playing a funeral dirge across the night winds of the Brooklyn waterfront. Carrying the coffin to its final resting place. You think you get accustomed to staring death in the face, only? night
1: Where's that light coming from?
0: Drop your guns! An FBI threat!
1: This is my cue.
0: I make a dive for shelter behind some piling... I missed my target. I find myself choking. The water drags me down. Choking? Gasping, fighting my way up. I break for air. I hear the barking of guns punctuating the stillness of the night. There's an eerie quiet and then... Betty! Betty, are you alright? Just a little wet, that's all. Here, grab this rope and I'll pull you up. Thanks.
3: Where are our touring in Polanski? We've got them. Are they dead? I don't know. The boys will find out. How did you manage to get here? We've had a stakeout on local headquarters ever since you arrived. The shine man reported your contact, and when you got in the car tonight, we just followed. Did anybody else know of their suspicion? I don't think so.
0: But I'm supposed to meet a party member on Pier 9 at 11.30. What time is it?
3: Well, that's the 11.30 break now. Uh, what do I do? Tell him you slipped and fell overboard to explain your wetsuit. We'll take care of Polanski and Turin. Well, what are you waiting for?
0: As I make my way to Pier 9, the calm of the waterfront is as before. As if those gunshots had never been. As if Polanski and Turin had never been. But there will always be more Polanskis and more Turins. For this fight I'm in is a lonely fight an undercover man who must forsake his friends and family for the false friendship of the comrades in the party. I must continue this fight alone as I walk alone. This is Dana Andrews with the word about the story you've just heard. In this episode, as in all others, names, dates, and places are fictitious to protect innocent people. However, party headquarters, described as the American Kremlin, did exist. And similar places will continue to operate in this country until we won the fight against communism. Next week, another exciting adventure based on Matt Savedic's experience as an undercover man. A communist for the FBI. So join us, won't you?
4: I think this is what you did, Lisa, uh, before you did the radio show. You were a communist for the FBI. You were trying to to uh, wipe out all the communists that were infiltrating America. Uh, is that what you did? The, the truth has come out. I, all right. I knew it. I knew it. I knew all that uh, education that the Matankis put you through. You were putting it to good use. You were a double agent for us, right?
2: I do live a double life, Carl.
4: Yes, I was a communist for the FBI, <laughs> June eleventh, nineteen fifty two. The American Kremlin. Dana Andrews. Um, uh, Dana. That's uh, that's uh, that's not a uh, man's name. It doesn't sound like a man's name. It sounds like a woman's name. I know a man named Dana. Do you? I do. Well, Dana Andrews. This well, actor I mean, I was, uh, know personally. Truman Bradley doing the announcing, and uh, that's a good episode. I was a communist for the FBI. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, hey, you know what, Lisa? What? We uh-huh. are just three likes away. Three likes away from the coveted 1,000 likes. Um, this is a uh, Facebook site we're talking about for Hollywood 360. We we put it up. Um, I don't know a few months ago, and we've been asking our listeners to please uh, search for us and like us. So we're right there we're at a uh, benchmark, as they say, a threshold. We're trying to get three more. Hey, I, is are there three people out there? So what happens when we hit our threshold, Carl? Well, we're going to celebrate. Do? We're, we're well, going we to, a do? siren goes off. Like, woo, woo, woo. That's it? The siren? Um, Big I don't know. Siren goes uh, probably off? something. What, fanfare? I, something's got to happen. A thousand That's what I'm of, asking you. What's going to happen, Carl? So if our uh, listeners out there, meaning you, if you could please search us, uh, Hollywood 360 Radio, um, that's our, uh, that's how you search for us on Facebook. And when we pop up, please like us. And uh, that is where you can contact us and tell us what you want to hear here on Hollywood 360. We will play what you want to hear, right? Right. We do. And uh, there was someone recently that said they wanted to hear I was a communist for the FBI. So we play that. We get suspense a lot and Jack Benny a lot. And we're playing a suspense next in the next hour here on Hollywood 360. But please do like us and please post to us. Ask us questions and please let us know what you want to hear. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360.
0: Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360, brought to you by Reader's Digest.
4: Don't forget to send in a picture of your cat along with you and your name and your cat's name and your city and state. Email that to Pride. Catsride- Photo Cats Pride photo at gmail.com. You'll be automatically entered into our drawing. Once a month, we'll give away a full year's supply of Cats Pride kitty litter. And we'll do that for an entire year. We're going to be uh, doing that really, really soon. Right, Lisa? Yep. The end of September. All right. In our next hour, we're going to play uh, Stump the Host. Call us right now if you want to play. Give us a call. Toll free 855 360 h three sixty eight five five 855 360 H360. Call right now. Phone lines are open. Play Stump the Host with us. Plus, we'll tune into Suspense starring Gene Kelly. number to call, though, to play Stump the Host, 855 360 H360. Call right now. Lisa and I, and Mike Costello, and the whole gang will be right back.